Good morning. I hope everyone's enjoying your uh, cup of coffee this morning. Yes. I am uh, very excited to announce that as of uh, just a few minutes ago, our Amunas uh, Shear for the year, the series, is uh, now sponsored with uh, great gratitude to Drs. Avi and Bella Morgan, who sponsored the Amunas series for the year. Zecher Nishmas, Rabbi Dr. Brian Gabbett, who lived a life filled with Torah, Vodas Hashem, and Amuna. So we're deeply, deeply grateful to them. Also uh, grateful that this week is sponsored still by Greta and Jeff Baum in memory of Greta's uh, beloved grandmother, Rachel Bas Avram Asher, whose neshama should have an aliyah. We are beginning a new uh, parak, a new chapter in Ravobaz Be'amunah, so Yechia. Last week we completed the uh, chapter we had been studying. It's on page Ayin Vav, and it's two sides of the one page. I just gave you the first two pages of it. I don't anticipate getting through more than that uh, today. And what Ravobaz is going to uh, talk to us about what we're going to learn together is about the impact of Amuna on our Midos. We've been talking the last several weeks about Amuna as a Mida. The fact that having faith and living with faith is not an ideology or a philosophy or something in the abstract, but rather it is a quality that we have. And just like we work on our patience and just like we work on our generosity and just like we work on different qualities that we're trying to improve upon, Amuna is a Mida. It's a character trait. It's a quality that needs to be expressed, it needs to be worked on. That it's not something which is, uh, is, is dealt with in the university classroom. It's not something dealt with in the shul or the base medrash or the shir. But it's a midah that we express within our everyday living. Within our everyday living. In other words, what that means is, just like when I find myself in a situation where I'm growing impatient. So my child is testing my patience or my spouse, or someone else around me. They're testing my patience. And I need to stop myself and take a deep breath and remember, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to yell and scream and look like a maniac. I don't want to be a person who demands it has to be my way or the highway. I don't want to be that impatient person. Patience is a mita, it's a character trait. And true, we can reinforce it and we can grow it by the things we listen to and what we read and reinforcing it by being around patient people. But in the end of the day, it's an inner quality, it's a character trait, and I need to find the ability, the willpower, I need to find the courage to stop myself and say, I don't want to be that person, I hate that part of me, I want to be the patient person, and I have it in me. I just need to realize that quality, that mida. So what's true for patience, said Ravoba, is exactly true for Amuna. It's exactly true for Amuna too. It's to stop myself when I'm growing. I don't know if Im- impatience is the opposite of patience. What's the opposite of emuna? Emuna. Imemuna. Yeah, so if I'm growing, if I find myself lacking emuna, where I think something is random or chance, or I'm saying, woe is me, or I'm growing in my anger or frustration, then just like I have to stop myself and realize I can be patient, and my life is better, and it's the best version of me when I'm patient, the same is true with the character trait of emuna, is to stop myself and say, I have Amuna, and therefore it's not a big deal. Last week I was playing tennis with Rabbi Maskutz, a rare opportunity to get out and exercise a little bit, and um, I ran for a drop shot, and I heard and felt a pop in my leg, in my calf, and uh, fell to the ground. I'm not telling you this for your sympathy and empathy. I'm just fine, thank God. I'm just giving you an example. I always give you these examples, not because I think I've arrived, but to tell you how pathetic I am that every week I still need to give you examples of how much I'm still working on Emuna. So I fell to the ground, and the first thoughts racing through my head were, I can't believe this is happening again. 
I'm going to need surgery. I'm going to need a new scooter. I'm going to need a... This is miserable. The rehab. I cannot believe that just happened. I am an old man. This is impossible. This is miserable. I started picturing everything that happened when I tore my Achilles. And as we were wobbling, Rabbi Moskowitz was uh, kindly helping carry me to the car because I couldn't even put pressure down on my leg. Those were the thoughts running through. And then I stopped. Literally stopped. And I said... What am I doing? I teach this on Munashir and I lecture about this and learn about this and work on this. What is going on here? And I just, it was a total paradigm shift. I just changed the way I was thinking and said, this is fantastic. I don't know why or how, but this is for a reason and it's all good and it's going to be great. And I plastered a smile on my face like we spoke about this past Shabbos. Don't wait to be happy and then smile. Smile and you'll find that you're happy. Put a smile on my face and I said, okay. This is wonderful. This is geschmack. This is fantastic. This is amazing. Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. Now it happens to be, it's easy for me to tell you the story now. I didn't know then, but I can tell you literally one week later now that a micro tear in your calf happens to heal very quickly. And uh, already by Sunday I was dancing at a wedding. So I'm still limping. It's still sore, but it's nothing. It's, it's mamish gurnished. And my point in telling you this is there was, a, there was a midah inside me that I needed to work on. Right? I could have yelled and screamed and cursed when I hurt myself, but I had a better Mida than that. I didn't do it, at least out loud. So, but, so the way we react is a Mida, but Amuna is a Mida. In that moment, do we catch ourselves? Is our Amuna muscle so strong that it catches us and gives us balance? The weaker your muscles, the more imbalanced you are, the more likely you'll topple over. And the stronger your muscles, the more of a foundation, the stronger your core. That's the word that we use, right? In the exercise world, they're talking about your stomach. But the stronger your core, the more balanced you are. Well, for us, there is no greater core than our emuna. The core of our muscles in the spiritual world is our emuna. And the stronger our core, the more balanced we are, the more we can sustain a hit, the more we can sustain tripping, the more we can sustain and recover from, an, faster we can recover from an injury. So again, I can't emphasize this enough, and maybe you'll tell me I, I have and I should move on. But Amuna is a mida. It's not an ideology. We get lost and we get stuck debating it, right? Having this philosophical debate. Give me evidence for God's existence. And well, how could that be if this and that proof doesn't work for me? And if only he spoke to me or if only I saw miracles, then I would believe. And we get stuck. But we get stuck because we've created this artificial boundary or border. We've made this wall. We get stuck because it's a cop out. And because we don't want to, we're scared what life would look like if we lived with Emunah. But we need to overcome that. We need to get past that. That it's not an ideology. It's not a philosophy. It's not a debate. We don't offer arguments. We don't put together evidence. We could. And I think early on in our Emunah Shir, many uh, years ago, we talked about some of the pieces of evidence and that it all adds up to overwhelmingly being a proof that God exists. But that's not the, that's not in the end of the day what's going to do it. What does it in the end of the day is that leap, that Emunah Pshuta. It's that recognition that if I look and I listen, I feel Hashem all around me. If I work out that muscle and I have that strong core, then I've realized and find that it gives me greater balance. Okay, so let's start. Rav Oba is talking about the influence and the impact of living a life of faith, of Amuna on our Midos, on our character trait. And says Rav Oba the following. Rav Chaim Vital was the great uh, Talmud of the Gon, of Chaim Vital, of the Ari, sorry, of the Ari HaKadosh, of Chaim Vital told us the following. And he, he says, says Revolba, we're going to build this idea, this notion that we work on our Emunah, or we work on our Midos by working on Emunah through understanding this insight of Rav Chaim Vital. Bedvar Mavua Sha'nefesh Kolelis Arba Yesodos Ruchniyim. Eish Ruach Mayim Va'afar. 
Shehem Shorish Hamidos Hashem. I don't know how many people have heard this. The truth is it traces itself back, maybe not popular to say, but it traces itself back to Greek philosophers. But Rav Chaim Vital, in our tradition, we see it as a Kabbalistic notion. Now that I have a full gray beard and head of gray hair, I'm allowed to share some Kabbalistic ideas. So Rav Chaim Vital, in a Sefer Shari Kedusha, teaches the following, that man, and when I say man, I mean generic man, humanity, human beings, we are composed, we are comprised of four yesodos. We are made up of the four elements. And the four elements from which we are formed, and I don't necessarily mean biologically or anatomically, although there are allusions and hints to these four elements, even within the very structure of our body, but we're made up of four elements, fire, wind, water, and Earth, Eish, fire, ruach, wind, mayim, water, and afar, and earth. Yesod ha'eish ha'inu ha'shorosh le'gaiva v'kas. And these four elements within us, the four elements from which we are comprised or that are our roots, are the source of the midos, of the character traits that we exhibit. So his tradition was that yesod ha'eish, the foundation of fire, is gaiva v'kas. So what does that mean? You know, we describe this. If somebody flies off the handle, if somebody explodes in a fit of rage, we say about them they have a fire in their belly. Somebody who's very animated and somebody who's very uh, charismatic, very loud, they have a fire in their belly. What does that mean? If you put them through a CAT scan, you'll see a fire in their belly? Why do we use that in the vernacular? We describe a fire in their belly. The fire in their belly means there's an element, there's a yeshod, there's a shorosh within all of us, which is characterized by fire. And that fire inside us leads to gaiva, to arrogance, and cast to anger. Anger, anger is the result of that fire, that fire which is raging. And is fire good or bad? Yes. The answer is yes. Fire is good and bad. If fire is used to illuminate or to provide warmth or to create energy, and fire or to construct or to melt in order to build, fire is an amazing, amazing resource. But if fire destroys and it burns down and it scars a person, it hurts a person, then fire is bad. So the fire in our belly can go in both directions. And when we channel it correctly, so therefore it's not raging wildly, but we're channeling it and controlling it, then the fire can be used to build. It does amazing things. But unabated and, and misdirected, then it is the source of gaiva, of arrogance and of kas. Somebody flies off the handle, they're, they're, they're on fire. They're, there's a fire raging inside them. And it's not, uh, it'll destroy anything in their way. You ever see someone fly off the handle in a fit of rage? They lack absolute judgment, they lack, they forfeited their humanity, they're actually sabotaging their own happiness and success, they are running over and destroying people around them they claim to care about. Anger is the most self-destructive character trait. We've talked about it endlessly. I'm not going to get into it, but anger, the Ramban and the Rambam both describe that anger we have to categorically purge. It doesn't belong in our repertoire or our recipe of character traits of Midos in any measure whatsoever. Midos is a measure. All character traits belong in some midah, in some measure. Anger doesn't belong in any measure because it's purely destructive. And we self-sabotage, self-destructive. Sicha betela, sheker hara. So when a person just, sicha uh, betela, how do you translate sicha betela? means baseless speech, just, just speaking for no reason. What? And gossip is separate. Sheker is lying, distortions of truth. Lashon hara is gossip. But sicha betela is just... When you're just idle chatter, when you sit around and you're just talking, you're not saying anything, you're talking for no reason, you're wasting your breath, it's narashkaitin. So all these things are shayachim li'sod haruach. That's wind. The character trait, the element within us of wind is responsible for idle chatter, lying, gossip. 
Hashorish la'avas ha'ta'anugim v'chemdas ha'mamon, the source of our craving and insatiable appetite for money and for things, is mayim, is water. Atzvus, atzvus v'atzlus, sadness, melancholy, which, by the way, is a bad character trait, just as an aside. Again, we talked about it last Shabbos and Shul. Now, as you say, sadness is not a quality or a character trait. It's just how I feel. It's a feeling. It's a feeling. It's not my fault. Sad things are happening. Then I feel sad, and I'm not in control of that. Why are we talking about it as a character trait? Isn't it a feeling? So, no, we don't view it as a feeling. We view it as a character trait. Being happy or being sad is not a feeling. It's a, it's a decision. It's a decision that we make. It's a decision that we make. It's not an emotion. Now, of course, it is an emotion. I've been to way, way, way too many funerals in the last few weeks. And, and when you lose somebody precious, you love, somebody irreplaceable, of course you're overwhelmed with sadness. And mourning and grieving is appropriate. And if you don't feel sad at all, you might be psychotic and you're certainly insensitive. And the Rambam calls you achzar, you're cruel. To lose someone and not grieve or mourn or shed a tear is, is actually an act of cruelty. It's an act of cruelty. So we're not talking about in an acute situation of loss where of course it's natural and normal to feel sad. There the feeling of sadness comes. But we're talking about when everything around you is, is going good. not even necessarily going good, but is even killed. But you're just a sad person. You walk around sad. Right? What we talked about on Shabbos, the fabisan upon him. You walk around miserable and sad and negative and depressed. Everything's always wrong. Nothing's ever right. So that sadness, that's not a feeling that you have. It's a decision that you make. If we decide to be happy, if we smile, we'll find we're happy. And if we're fabisana, it brings us down and we're sad. It's not, a it's not a feeling. It's a decision. It's about making the right one. And the evidence, the proof, are the people who do it. There are people around us who have every reason in the world, many, many, many fold more than we, to be sad, but they've chosen to be happy nonetheless, and they live and find genuine happiness. And there are people around us who have every reason in the world to be so happy and so thrilled and so blessed, but they've chosen. They may not put it in those words. It's not a conscious choice. But subconsciously, they've chosen to live a life of sadness. Negativity and pessimism, fabisana, everything's wrong, you're wrong, everything's wrong, anger. So that's it. So sadness, melancholy, being miserable, fabisana, to... to that, that is not a feeling, it's a choice, it's a decision. Atlas is laziness, laziness. People who procrastinate and delay and lazy, I'll get to it and eventually and I'll do it and if I have to, I'm dragged there to do it. Not to live a life we're learning in Masil Sasharim in our 10 minutes of meaning, precedes this class, all about alacrity and zeal and enthusiasm, how to set goals and pursue them, to reach them and to set new goals, to live a life of drive and aspiration, to be able to, even when we hit that wall, the proverbial wall, to run through it, to run over it, to run around it. So atzlus, that's also a decision. Do I wake up? There are people who get less sleep than you, who are more tired than you, who have more pressure and anxiety than you, but they've made the choice to live with, with zrizus, with zeal and enthusiasm and alacrity. And there are people who have all the time in the world and no pressures, but they've chosen to live with atzlis, laziness and procrastination, and they're lethargic. Yeyush, what's yeyush? Despair. Despair and hopelessness. Giving up, giving up. Yeyush shalomidas, the Gemara Bab Metzi has a whole discussion. If a person loses an object, are you allowed to keep it? Well, you can't keep it if they didn't relinquish ownership over it. If they still own it and they're looking for it, when you keep it, you've stolen. So when are you entitled to keep a lost object? When you believe that they've given up hope of recovering it. Well, I'm not trying to review all of, uh, 
all of Bamatsia um, with you right now, but very quickly, so what that means is, if it's an object that has a simon, if it's a lost object that clearly is uh, identifiable, discernible, the person probably did not give up hope of recovering it, their diamond ring. But if it's something which is indiscernible, so a dollar bill, assuming they didn't memorize or write down the serial number of every dollar in their wallet, they probably gave up hope. So in order for you to be able to acquire something, then the other person has to have had yeish, they have to have given up hope. So the Gemara has also about yeish midas and yeish midas. Can you give up hope if you don't even know you lost it? Yeish midas. So it's been famously said by the Bali Musar that yeish is shalomidas. Anytime you have yeish, it's shalomidas. If you've given up, it's a voice of insanity in your head. Never ever give up, never despair, never be hopeless. There's always hope, there's always hope. So that voice of yeish, of despair, of hopelessness, that pessimism, that says, ah, it's not possible, it's just not me, it's never gonna happen, I don't deserve to be happy, I don't deserve to be married, I don't deserve to have good health, I don't deserve that voice of yeish, that voice of despair, it's shalomidas, it's not coming from a good, healthy place in you. So all of these, this last grouping, atzvas, atzlas, and yeish, which is sadness, melancholy, laziness, procrastination, yeish, hopelessness, despair, shayachem lisota afar, they come from the earth, the component of earth within us. So Rav Chaim Vital taught us that we have these four elements from which we are comprised. Shtikel Kabbalah here. Chavit Handy is very excited. We have these four elements. We have these four elements from which we are comprised. We're made up of fire, wind, water, and earth. And each of these negative character traits can be traced back to an unhealthy balance in that element within us. So all four of the elements can be channeled in a healthy way, but if they're channeled in an unhealthy way, if they're left unabated, if they're not, uh, if they're not um, being used for good, then they result in these negative things. This is a very, very important. So what Revolva is going to do now is take this episode of Rav Chaim Vital, of the four elements and the character traits that result, and show what's the antidote, what's the medicine, how do we take the four elements and get healthy within them and balanced? The answer is Amuna. The more faith, the more amuna that we're living with, the more bitachon, the more dveikus, the more connection with the ribbonus shel olam, the more we heal these foundational elements, and the more the elements are healthy, the less... Now, I want to just digress for one moment. There's an amazing set of svarim called Bilvavi Mishkan Evne, Bilvavi, whose author set out originally to be anonymous. His first several volumes were written anonymously, and ultimately he was revealed. He actually spoke in our shul several years ago. It's an, before he was even as famous as he is today. And they've translated several of this form in English. It might be actually after we, we finish with the Emunus Yechia. It's a wonderful, it's a wonderful study. And he has a whole section in one of his books where he's talking about this also, this notion of Rav Chaim Vidal's, the four elements and the midos that result. And he makes what I think is such a critically, critically important point of it, which is the following, which is the following. In life, we can treat symptoms or we can treat disease. And when you treat symptoms, it's like playing whack-a-mole. You ever play, you ever been to a fair? You play whack-a-mole? You been to Chuck E. Cheese? Been blessed to spend an afternoon at Chuck E. Cheese? So, you know what whack-a-mole is? It's a game and you have a hammer and there's holes. It's, you know, like a grid of like 16 holes and moles, little fake animals stick their head out and you have a time limit and you have to whack them down and when you knock one down another one pops up and then you knock it down here and another one pops up and you knock it down here and then it pops up here so when we treat symptoms in life but we're not solving the core disease it's like playing whack-a-mole so I took care of that symptom 
but now it's going to express itself here. Then I whack that symptom with medicine or treatment or surgery, and then it expresses itself here. You know where this comes out? I've uh, been studying a lot and learning a lot about addiction and recovery, and it comes out in addiction. Someone with an addictive personality often can express itself in different ways. So let's say the person had a problem with alcohol and they went to, they solved their alcohol, it might then express itself now with gambling. And they took care of it with gambling and now it expresses itself with, and if you're just treating the symptoms and the disease is allowed to metastasize and grow and it becomes more toxic, it will continue to express itself and present in a new system. Right? He doesn't use this metaphor, this language, but I am. So what he says the Bilvavi is, what Rav Chaim Vital was really telling us is, you can't solve arrogance or anger by focusing on arrogance or anger. What do you need to focus on? The fire in your belly. You can't solve the fact that you have idle chatter and gossip and you have a, you're a pathological liar by just taking care of your, of your predisposition to lie. What do you need to solve? You need to solve ruach, that sense of wind within you. And I don't mean, again, physiologically, there's not necessarily a doctor you see to solve these things, although there definitely is an energy and physical component to it. But I'm talking about within us, we're made from these elements. And the more that we have a mindfulness, a self-awareness of them, and the more that we're regulating them, and that we're in charge of them, then the more that we can solve the disease, and that will solve all the symptoms rather than try to put out a symptom, which is whacking a mole, and then it comes out somewhere else. Right? I, I wrote an article, I think it was last year, where I talked about in life, I don't remember where I originally saw this, it wasn't original, but we can be either a thermostat or a thermometer. A thermometer, you remember, tells you what temperature you are. So let's say you're flying off the handle, you're filled with rage, Let's say you're jealous as anything. He doesn't give jealousy as one of them, but I think that also comes from fire. You have a, jealous, you have a rage of jealousy, a jealous streak, an envy streak inside you. So you could be a thermometer, which says, I know that I'm right now, I'm, you know, between a 1 and 10, I'm a 12. I'm angry, I'm jealous, I'm fire is raging, it's burning, I'm stressed, I don't sleep, I'm not eating, everyone around me is upsetting me, everything in life is upsetting me. But you could be a thermometer, you could be a thermometer, and you just happen to have a self-awareness about your own temperature, which is good, by the way, because most people in life don't even have the self-awareness of where they're at. But we shouldn't be happy or satisfied with just being a thermometer. We have the capacity, the Ribbon Shalom, the Almighty designed us not to be a thermometer. He designed us to be a thermostat. What's the difference? A thermostat you can control. Not here in Shul, you can't, but I can. But at home, maybe you have to battle others in controlling it. But you're a thermostat. You can lower the temperature. Sometimes you're too cold, you have to raise the temperature. Sometimes the fire can be, it's barely a pilot light. And you need to fan that flame a little bit to get that fire going a little bit better. So we have to realize that not just have the self-awareness to be a thermometer, but to be a thermostat, to control and to regulate those things within us. So, so he says the Belvavi, based on this teaching of Rav Chaim Vital, which is essentially what Revolve is about to get to, which is we're not going to solve the symptoms by focusing on the symptoms. You can, but you're just going to be back in the doctor's office. You're just going to miss more work and be back sick in bed. You're just going to be back, or we can get to the core, which is the illness, the disease, and by solving that, we will take care of the symptoms that surround it. He quotes a great Katzka Rebbe, the Katzka Rebbe. We love the Katzka. So the Katzka Rebbe once said that people try to break their bad midos, bless you. People try to break their bad habits. That's the Lashem. The language that we use is to try to break a bad habit. So the Katzka said, you know what happens when you break a bad habit? You just have two bad habits. <laughs> and it's a great Kutzker. That, by the, if you understand the Kutzker, everything the Kutzker said was, it was biting, but it had truth. 
He was a cynic. He was so I would have been scared as anything to be around him, five miles of him. Everything he said was, and the truth is, he had to isolate himself because he was, he had no tolerance for people. He couldn't deal with, not, not that he didn't love people like Avas Yisrael, he couldn't deal with the fakeness of people. He couldn't deal with people's fakeness. He couldn't deal with the persona that people put on. He couldn't deal with, he couldn't deal with it. And he was, he was like a fire that could burn anything in his path. He had to isolate himself. He withdrew, he isolated himself. We should do a whole class on the Kutzker. He was fantastic. I love the Kutzker. The Kutzker is the greatest, uh, the greatest divinitar. So the Kutzker said, people try to break their bad midos, their bad habits, and you know what they're left with? Two bad habits. In other words, you can't break a bad habit. You're not going to break it. You can't break it. You solve it by understanding not the symptom, but what is the disease, what is the illness, what is the core. And when you actually change, then the bad habit won't express itself. So if you think you're just going to train yourself and thereby break a bad habit, how long will it last? How long will it last? Rather, the real solution is not to break the bad habit and have two bad habits. It's rather to transform oneself in our core. Okay, so back to Revolba. So now we're going to go through each of these Revolba is going to go through them. So we're starting with fire and what fire produces. Remember, what did fire produce? Unregulated fire, unchanneled, unhealthy fire produces anger and arrogance. Arrogance. I keep figuring out why can't I read clearly and then I remember. I gotta put these things on again. You could distinguish this mida from the beginning of when we enter this world, from the moment we enter this world. From the moment that we enter this world, we think that we are something. We think we're something. Now, why do we think we're something? Because if with my one hand I touch my other hand, I feel something. So if I feel something, I'm a something. If I look in my mirror, there's someone there. If I eat food, my body goes through the experience of digesting it and eliminating it. So everything about the physical world in which I live and interact only serves to reinforce the notion that I am something that I'm a yesh, that I exist, and that I am a something. Now, what happens when you think you're a something? Says Ravoba, for the length of your life, the more we grow, the more we mature, the more sophisticated we become, the more we accomplish and achieve, we only believe and buy into this illusion more and more and more. So when I was a baby, I cried and I heard my own cry. And I ate and then I had my diaper changed. And I, I thought I was a yesh. I thought I was a somebody. And then the older I get, the more I think I'm a somebody because now I own things. And now I drive things. And now I make decisions. And I earn things. And I accumulate things. And that just reinforces more and more and more the sense that, uh, you know who I am? I'm a somebody. I'm a somebody. I exist and I'm a somebody. I'm a yesh. I'm a yesh. The truth is, are we a yesh? Are we somebody? Are we something? Sort of. Sort of. On the one hand, we're at Salam Alakim. We have a godly soul and a godly spirit in us. And to the degree that we nourish that and we nurture that and we express that, we are an expression of the Rebona Shalom in this world. We are a somebody. Bishvili Nivra Olam. What are you going to tell me? I'm a nothing? I'm a gornisht? Chazase Bishvili Nivra Olam. What are you talking about? Kodesh Baruch made the whole world for me. I'm such a yesh. I so deserve to exist that I should have made the whole world for me. On the one hand, bless everybody. And there's truth to that. And there's, and there's truth to that. And there's truth to that, that I'm a yesh, I'm a somebody. On the other hand, the somebody that I am is just an illusion. It's just an illusion. So there's really a behind the scenes reality 
All that really exists, this is very deep, it's very heavy. I hope you had your cup of coffee. All that really exists is the Ribbon Shalom. Everything else that looks like and seems like and feels like it exists is only an illusion that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has enabled us to have that we exist. But the only reality, the only lasting reality is Him. So He's enabled us to have that illusion. We're grateful to Him for it. We're in a play and we're actors and we feel like we're on a stage that's a reality. But really behind the stage is a writer and a producer and a director and, and really we're just living this illusion when there's a reality behind it. So when the actor gets confused and th forgets that they're just in a play that someone else is directing, and they think that they... Now, are they real? They're real on a stage, but they're part of a, of a play that has a, a director and a writer. So we mistakenly go on throughout our life. We think more and more, I'm a somebody. And as a somebody, I'm entitled. And as a somebody, I deserve. And as a somebody, I'm in charge. And the more I think I'm a somebody, the more I think that the world has to bow to me. And the world has to honor me. And the world has to defer to me and the world has to fit into my image and view of it. Haramban, Bigaris Levno Mivair, the Ramban in a letter to his son. Maybe we'll learn that too on our list here. Bigaris Haramban is so beautiful it appears in the back of most Sidurim. It was printed. The Ramban, whose life was a journey, and he moved to Israel, to Akka, well, the Ramban wrote a letter back to his family, to his son in particular, and he told his son to read it with regularity and frequency. And in the letter, it's a short letter. It's a short letter. We had great rabbis. The Gra wrote a letter to his family. We had great rabbis. They wrote letters. We write blogs and Facebook posts. They wrote letters to their family. They didn't, by the way, they didn't post that letter for the world to see. They just wrote it to their family. We post it for the world to see, and if our children happen upon it, you know, I guess we're okay, as long as it got a lot of likes and, and follows and, and attention. So Ramban wrote this letter to his son. Such a worthwhile letter to review over and over again. By the way, what does he begin the letter by saying? What should we overcome? Which midah? Kas, anger. He tells his son, just don't get angry. How do you, how do you not get angry? Speak to, who made this a famous song? Avon Fried? Most famous. Most, one of them. One of the big two made, uh, made this, uh, Yigeris Ramban, a famous song. So the Ramban tells his son, you know how you can train yourself to not get angry? If you make a commitment to always speak to everybody pleasantly. Everywhere and at all times. It doesn't matter who you're talking to, what buttons they press in you, how frustrated you grow and become, how much you deserve to lash out and yell. But if you train yourself to never lose your cool, to never raise your voice, the result will be that you don't get angry. Now, isn't it the opposite? Isn't it the opposite? If I don't get angry, I won't raise my voice. So the Ramban, no, don't raise your voice and you won't get angry. This is a theme I've been building on all week. Because we said on Shabbos, don't wait to be happy and then you smile. Smile and you'll be happy. And I said at the shir before this one, Mesilas Hasharim, don't wait to be excited about doing something. Go do it with excitement and then you'll be enthusiastic about it. And now this is a third example. Don't wait to not get angry and then you'll speak calmly. Always speak calmly and then you won't get angry. So if we train our behavior, then the feelings will follow. We don't wait for the feelings to generate the action. We do the action, and that generates the, and that generates the feeling. So the Ramban writes to his son, The truth is that existing, being, only, only is true for the Creator. Hanivra, the created, we accept and we receive everything from Hashem. And if we feel the feeling of arrogance, then you know what we're doing? You're putting on God's uniform. The Rebbe the Almighty has a uniform. 
he so to say has a uniform. What's his uniform? His uniform is that he's in charge. He wears the uniform of authority. Kaddish Baruch Hu is singularly, exclusively the one in charge. But when we think that we're in charge, when we have a sense of, of gaiva, of arrogance, then we are competing with Hashem. It's Hashem's world. And we are competing with Him. We're competing with Him. That arrogance, foolishly. This is the Targum. The Unklus translates into Aramaic. We say every day in Davening, Az Yashir, familiar? The Az Yashir we say every morning. Ki ga'o ga'a. What is the word ga'o ga'a? Gaiva. Ga'o, ge'a, is, is arrogance. So how does Unklus translate it? The ga'avaso dilehu. Gaiva shalohi. You tried to compete with God. You stole. Only God deserves to be arrogant. Now, Kaddish Baruch is not arrogant. Of course not. Not in the way that we think of arrogance. But arrogance means that in, the one who's really in charge, the one who's really in control, is the one who's entitled to feel that they're in charge and they're in control. So when you try to put on his uniform, you can try putting it on. If I steal a badge from a policeman, does it make me a policeman? If I grab a policeman's uniform and I put it on, can I issue tickets or arrest people? I don't get the authority just because I'm putting on the uniform. I don't gain their power just because I've stolen their badge. So Kaddish Baruch Hu has a uniform. He wears a badge. His badge says, I'm in charge. It's my world. I created everything and I'm in charge of it. So just because we steal his badge or his uniform doesn't put us in charge. How we know that? Because the most arrogant people self-destruct. The most arrogant people, they're wearing the uniform. They're fakers. They're impersonators. They're impersonators, imposters. They're, they've stolen the uniform and they've stolen the badge but they're still not in charge just because they're wearing the uniform. Mm -hmm. How many arrogant people that we know who self-destruct? You know, we have names for our great rabbis and, and, and teachers. We have Avram is Avinu, Moshe is Rabbeinu, Yosef is Atzadik. You know, who in the Torah is called, who in the Chazal is called Harasha, the wicked one, the evil one? Anyone know who it is? The rabbis identify one person and we say, of all the characters in our history, there's one, Lavan was wicked, but you know who's called Harasha? Titus Harasha, Haman's also Russia, but Chazal referred to him always as Titus. They don't call him Titus, the name. Titus, the Roman who destroyed the Besamekdash, they call him Titus. Titus Harasha. He's always connected with that appellation, with that, with that name, the wicked one. The wicked one. Why? He was the most brazen and arrogant. We read in the Kinos on Tishabov. What did he do? He came into the Beis HaMikdash. He took his sword and he pierced the parochas, the curtain that separates the Holy of Holies. And through the curtain, blood came. And then the Gemara says, and I'm not going to elaborate because we're in a shul and because I'm not comfortable describing, but it describes the type of woman he took into the Kodesh HaKadoshim. He unrolled the Sefer Torah and the act that he did with her on the Torah in the Holy of Holies. He was arrogant. You know what a Kaddish Baruch Hu did, by the way? Yes. He did nothing. He was quiet. Gemara says, it says, Micha mocha ba'ilim Hashem. Who is like you, God? Who is Micha mocha ba'ilim? Ba'ilim means among the powerful, among the strong. And the rabbis tell us, don't read it, Micha mocha ba'ilim, among the strong. The rabbis tell us, read it, Micha mocha ba'ilmim. In ilim is a mute. Someone who doesn't speak. Why? Real strength is not responding and yelling back. You know what the greatest strength is? Shashto. You don't say anything. So someone's losing it on you, someone's fire is imbalanced, and they're raging, and they're screaming, and losing it at you. You know what the best thing to do? Not only for your own dignity, but it's actually the best payback to that person. Just nothing. Kodesh Baruch Hu was silent. The Gemara says the greatest blessing, the greatest bracha comes to somebody who is being mocked, ridiculed, yelled at, gossiped about, injured, 
And you know what they do in response? They don't get revenge. They don't yell back and match the decibel level and elevate and escalate the whole, the whole conflict. You know what they do? Nothing. Look the other way. Silence. Where'd we learn that from? HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now in that moment, Hashem showed the great strength of being silent. And we should too in the heat of a, of a conflict or somebody who's trying to drag us into a conflict. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu, <coughs> when that moment passed, passed, HaKadosh Baruch Hu did pay him back. You know what he did? You know what he did? You know what he gave Titus, Russia? He didn't give him a massive heart attack in public. And he didn't give him some horrific tumor that the world can see. You know what he gave him? There was a tiny little bug that crawled into Titus's ear and didn't stop ringing and ringing and ringing. We have a disease that's named after him. In fact, when I taught about this many years ago, when I taught about this, I found a medical journal that actually acknowledges and traces the root of the name of this illness to him. What's the disease? Tinnitus. Tinnitus, that endless ringing in one's ears, comes from the story in the Gemara in Gittin, going back 2,000 years, that a bug crawled into his ear and was ringing endlessly. And Titus Harasha, Titus, never got relief from that ringing. And why did Kodesh Baruch Hu do that? He could have had some lightning strike, uh, he could have some miracle. Because what he was showing Titus is, you think you're in charge? You destroyed my holy base on Mikdash. You conquered my people. You think you're in control. You've stolen my uniform and you've stolen my badge. But you think you're in charge? Here's a little fly. A little ant is going to crawl in your ear. And you can't even overcome that. A little gornished ant, a nothing, a fly, a nothing. And you can't even overcome that. So when we steal his uniform or his badge and we pretend and act like we're in charge, it doesn't put us in control or in charge. How many people do we know who have enormous wealth, but yet when their health is compromised, emotionally, physically, spiritually, mentally, all the money in the world can't solve that problem. It's like a little fly that comes into one's life. And whatever we throw at it, we can't solve it because we're not in charge, even if we've stolen the uniform. Now, some people have a very, they've stolen a uniform that looks nothing like a policeman. It's really a crude looking fake uniform. And others have the money, so they have a uniform that looks, you can't distinguish it from the real policeman. It looks exactly authentically like a real policeman. No matter how much money, and no matter how much you make the uniform look just like the real one, it's not the real one. So no matter how much you make your life look like you're in charge and you're in control, no matter how much you spend and how much you make it look authentic and real, it's not the real one, it's fake. And without the uniform and without the badge, we are not in control. So how do we translate these words, ga'o, ga'a? And we say it every day in Az Yashir. Unklish translates it as, ga'avaso dilehu. The uniform, the badge, they are only Hashem's. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to the arrogant person, you've stolen my uniform, you've stolen my badge. I got to get it back. I'm going to take it back. I'm going to remind you that you're not in charge. I'm going to show you that you're not in control. I'm going to punish you and throw you in jail for impersonating a police officer. Hachai be'amuna, just do a little bit more. Hachai be'amuna margeshu nivra. So if you live with them, so what's the big problem? Revolva's now set up. That what's the problem? Eish, when you have that fire raging inappropriately inside you, and it, it builds within you this idea that you exist, that you're something, that you are independently something, that you don't rely or depend on anyone, that you are a something, you're a yesh, you exist. The more you feel and the more it's reinforced, the more you promote the sense that I exist, then you start to think I'm in charge that I'm in charge. So when you live with Amunah, so what's the problem? In other words, the symptom is arrogance. But what's the illness is that you feel you're a bore. You feel, I'm a creator. I go to work and I make deals and I make this and I do this and I do that. And I'm a parent and I've got 7,000 great-grandchildren. I created generations of people. When you start to make the mistake to think I'm a bore, I'm a creator. 
So what's the antidote? Not to the symptom, but to the root illness, is to realize I'm not a creator, I am among the created. I'm created. <laughs> when you live with emunah, you feel that I'm just among the, I'm just created. I serve at the pleasure of Hashem. I serve at the pleasure of Hashem. I'm not competing with Him. I'm not better than Him. I'm not equal to Him. I'm not, I'm just, I serve at His pleasure. All of my limbs and all of my faculties and all of my capacity and all of my material possessions, everything I have is just, I serve at His pleasure. It's on loan from him. It's never owned by me. I didn't create it. I've, I'm a partner in it, but I'm the junior partner. Every breath that comes is from Hashem. We fulfill the words of our rabbis. That with every breath we should thank Hashem. We, we, uh, I wrote the article recently about uh, spending three minutes a day disconnecting, taking deep breaths, reconnecting to what's important. It was several months ago. So... I quoted in their Chazal, this Chazal. We say in our daven, Kol HaNeshama Tahaloka Halaluka. Kol HaNeshama. So Chazal say, don't read it, Kol HaNeshama. Every living being should praise God. Read it, Kol HaNeshima Tahaloka. With every breath, praise God. Not every soul, not Nishama. It's not, a, it's not a coincidence. The word for soul is the same word as breath. Nishama and Nishima. With every breath I praise you, Hashem. Meaning, Every breath I take, part of my automated system, I don't take for granted. I don't take for granted. You spend time next to somebody who's on a ventilator, who has to walk around with an oxygen tank, don't take for granted that we have the capacity to fill our lungs with, with, with air, that our respiratory system is working spontaneously. With every breath that's working, I realize I'm not a creator, I'm created. I don't own it, I'm on loan. I'm not in charge. I just serve at your, at your pleasure. With every breath. Kol neshama, kol nishima. Achein l'umas hamama. We'll just finish the paragraph. Margish hamezgah shehayeshus shelo menutekes mehabore. Ukeilu hu amakor shachiyusov v'kocho. So as opposed to the mammon, the believer says, I, I only, I exist because I'm connected to you. The moment I'm disconnected, I stop. My whole existence depends on you. The arrogant person thinks, my existence depends on you. You, God, depend on my existence. If I recognize you, and I acknowledge you, and I bless you, and I serve you, then you exist, and if I ignore you, you don't. The arrogant person thinks, because they've stolen the uniform and the badge, that they're in charge. Paro was not a fool when he said, the Nile is mine and I made it. Because we all, at times, have that voice of Paro inside us. We all. It could be you cut an amazing business deal, you gave a great closing argument in front of a judge, you did a successful operation, or you made the greatest potato cook of all time, or you gave the best drush that's ever been given. But we then think when we have success, we, confused, we become confused and we think the success is a result of us, of our intelligence, our ingenuity, our creativity, our hard work. And we can take pride in the success. But what gave us the talent and the skill set to get that success? That's from Hashem. And it's on loan. Because you know what? The next operation could be a blunder. The next potato kugel could be a flop. The next drusha could be a strikeout. The next closing argument could get nowhere and not land. So what, what determines the success of the failure, we can take pride in our, in our part in it. But whatever we've contributed to it is from Hashem, it's on loan from Him. So when you work on emunah, 
when we're controlling the fire inside us, when we're solving the, not the symptom, but the cause, what is the, what is the cause? Stealing the uniform, borrowing the badge, thinking I'm a bore, because I'm dressed like a cop, I'm a cop. We're not a cop, no matter how authentic our uniform may look. We're not in charge, we're not in control. And the more we realize I'm a nivra, not a bore, I am created, not a creator. I'm a partner, but I'm a junior, 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 junior partner who serves at the pleasure of the senior partner. And whatever talents and blessings and skills that I have, they are on loan. They're not part of our permanent collection. And the more that I concentrate and think of and flex and work out that muscle, I'm not going to get arrogant. Then I'm not going to get arrogant. So I can spend all day talking about arrogance, thinking about arrogance, working on arrogance, and maybe I won't be arrogant for 24 hours. Or I can work on this other, which is the root, realizing I'm a nivra, not a bore. And as a result of that, as a consequence of fixing the cause, the root cause, I'm not going to be arrogant. How can I be arrogant? I'm not going to be arrogant. Who's arrogant to the policeman? You have stupid morons like that. They end up in jail. Right? right? There's a whole law if you talk about, right? What is it? Uh, what's the law? Resisting arrest or whatever. If you mistreat, you're arrogant towards a policeman. You can't be arrogant to authority. There's a consequence. And there's a consequence to being arrogant to our authority. So the more I realize he's the authority and I'm not, then arrogance will solve itself. And that's what Rav Chaim Vital was saying. Let's work on fire, the core, realizing I'm a niver, not a bore, and then that will solve arrogance. We will, Amir Tashem, pick up with this next week.